Man, appreciate you staying in tune and tapping into the State Walk Podcast with Kells. Standing for killing every last line, hopefully. Hopefully you notice me and be prepared for a great listen. Much love. You now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, the State Walk Podcast, right here on the SonicBreakdown.com. Man, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Get this cake up. Get this cake up. Only thing I care about is switching. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson. And you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. So head over to thesonicbreakdown.com and read our uh, articles and um, album reviews that we have up now. But today we're going to get right into it. We have another Let's Talk About It segment. And you know if we're doing a Let's Talk About It segment... We're going to be definitely chopping it up with an interesting artist or a creator. And today, the creator that we're going to have is going to be Kells. So let's talk about it today. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about it with Kells, an Oakland native, um, Ian Kelly. And uh, we're going to break down Rec Center 2 as well. So uh, thanks for coming by, man. Man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. First, let's start off. How did you come up with the name Kells? Like, what is, is it? I'm assuming it stands for something, correct? Yeah. <laughs> So I came up with the name Kells. Uh, one day, me and the homies were all sitting down, just kind of rapping, coming up with different names. And my nickname, you know, has always been Kells. It didn't have an acronym at the moment. It just kind of was kind of based off of R. Kelly being Kells. It's kind of like a little funny thing. Mm-hmm. But then one day I sat and I was listening to this song. I think the song was by Drake. And he said a line. He said, do right and kill everything. That's what, it's not, that's what his name stood for. So then once I heard that, I was like, okay, hold on. Let me think about that. And then little by little, I was like, all right, killing every." And I'm like, all right, what am I going to put for the L's? And I'm like, okay, last line. And then I sat for like 10 minutes thinking about what the S would be, and it hit me and said soulfully. So that became my name, Killing Every Last Line Soulfully. Okay. And I mean, and based on uh, the songs and the uh, projects that I've heard you on, it, that's that name fits. So it's crazy how, you know, random things like that can happen, and, and then they end up working out in, in favor of, of making better, making the project better or making the situation better. Yeah, you, ne- you never lie about that. It's kind of crazy how that happened. Yeah, it's uh, life. Life is crazy like that. But let's let's start out with and and say, like I said, you are you are from Oakland, correct? From the Bay Area, correct? Correct, Oakland, California. Okay. And what do you? Th- how do you think that, um, like, being in that specific location? Because everywhere is different. But being in that specific location, how do you think that affects uh, your art, your 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 music? Man, for me, I feel like being from Oakland actually is a big base of my music and even big base of me being an artist because just growing up in Oakland, I got to see a lot of different things kind of on both sides of the track. You know, in a sense, I went to, you know, some good schools and, you know, and I grew up in a cool area. But, you know, I had homies who wasn't the same. You know, I had family members where everything wasn't exactly the same. So being able to see both sides in Oakland, you know, just from like the, the grand things to, you know, to real gritty stuff actually kept me balanced as a person. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was doing some research again, uh, you know, getting ready for this podcast. And then I found out that you were uh, a therapeutic behavioral specialist, correct? And how, how did you get into that? Especially, you know, which are, you know, I'm, I'm coming from knowing you from the, the musical side to incorporating that. How does that work? How did that come about? Man, man, I appreciate you doing your research on that. Uh, so how that all came about, you know, as soon as I got out of uh, college, I graduated from Howard University with uh BS in psychology, I decided, you know, I still wanted to give back to the community because that's a, honestly, that's, that's how my dad was growing up playing pop on football and stuff. He was always giving back to the community and giving back to youth and willing to share his wisdom and talk to different people. And when I found out about the therapeutic behavior specialist job, it came through a friend when I had just started my master's program. And I was just sitting in, in like a little student lounge room and she, she saw my face and I looked familiar and she was like, Hey, I got a job that you might like. She's like, you rap, right? I was like, yeah. She's like, I got a job that might work well. And from there, like 
she just introduced me to, you know, the boss that I was working for at the time and everything just got going. And I feel like the therapeutic behavioral specialist part allowed me to even dive deeper into my community. And I feel like really give back to the people I feel like really needed that type of help. One of the things that I found interesting is the the dichotomy that we have in hip hop about like mental health and how that's such a big stigma and we don't talk about it. But yet, you know, just like everybody else, we're human. We all deal with uh, mental health, physical health, all different types right. of, you know, I- illness and ailments. Um, but how do you think that influences your music? Because, again, that is a big stigma in hip hop. And usually a lot of artists tend to shy away from it. But I didn't get that impression when I when I hear your music. I don't I don't feel like you're shying away from it, but I don't necessarily feel like you're like throwing it in everybody's faces. You're making people aware, but I, I think there's a tact to how you approach it. Exactly, exactly. You know, I I never wanted to come off as an artist that felt like I was trying to like preach to you twenty four seven or be seem like I was trying to be too holier than thou. I just kinda of wanted everybody to make sure I relate. And for me, uh, especially mental health, like that's that's big in, in anything you do. You know, there's people with big smiling faces on their face right now who are actually really kind of struggling through things mentally. Mm-hmm. And I felt like making music, I felt like that was one of the best ways I actually, actually I can even provide therapy for people, whether that's me giving you my story and seeing how I break it down or me telling you somebody else's story and seeing how the outcomes can come about. You know, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And also it's it's something that you should never try to try to hinder. You know, if you're feeling a certain type of way, you have certain type of emotions, Man, I say get it out. You know, holding on to so much, I feel like can arm you as a person. And I and I can see every different artist. You know, and I, I know different artists who have gone through mentally, you know, different things. And then they make music, and you know, they may say one thing, but I know on the back end, they're really kind of even hurt. So mm. I feel like even providing therapy to fellow artists as myself, I feel like attacking mental health is is indeed important. It's just it's it doesn't lack anywhere. Everybody goes through it. Yeah, that's very true. And and you can see the um the benefits that uh artists like Kid Cudi have brought to um the attention about depression uh, and how open right. and honest he was about it and how that's helped other people um get through it. Um so I think again, I think it's admirable uh that, that that's part of the message that you want to portray and give out to the to the people, especially again in the black community too, mental health is is uh something that we tend to shy away from. Oh. Exactly, because you know, in the, in the black community, I know for sure. You know, we we all have people who like when when therapy gets mentioned up, people look at you kind of with a side eye, kind of like a funny little eyebrow. It's kind of like you need therapy, like don't yeah. do it like that. But to be real, like we all need somebody to talk to. Everybody may not have you know somebody that can really confide in or really bring up certain type of approaches and things that they deal with to somebody. So you know, having that approach and feeling like, man, I can go listen to this artist and actually feel that maybe that can actually make you feel more open to talk to somebody else. Uh, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Because you, you mentioned Howard and um, that you went to Howard. How do you think that experience of, of going to a historically black college and university affected, affects your music as well? Because I assume, because my experience at Morehouse, I know was vastly different than some of my counterparts uh, and friends that I know that went to non-historically black colleges. So how about how was your experience and how do you juxtapose that to other people's experiences? Man, Howard was a beautiful experience, and it definitely helped shape me because I, I got to meet so many different type of type of people, mm. you know, in in one environment. I know a lot of people be like, "Well, you went to HBCUs, aren't you?" Just seeing like other black people. I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, I'm seeing other black people, but they're coming from different parts of the world, you know, different parts of the country, and really being able to to break down their story and hear how they process things. It's like, man, like you truly never know somebody's story until you talk to them. You feel me? So that's why Howard was. A beautiful experience to me and then 
honestly, just kind of finding my, my roots with certain things, just kind of knowing who I am, who my people are, and, you know, just about where we came from. And, you know, coming from, you know, California and Oakland, California, like, there, there aren't really any HBCUs on the West Side like that. Yeah. So, you know, it was a good it was a good experience to get out, go see the world, you know, as well as, you know, meet dope people who you thought you would never meet. Yeah, that's true. And um, we interviewed uh, another person, Pendarvis Harshaw, who also went to Howard, um, and he's from ah, Oakland yeah, as well. That's yes, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, we did a, we did a, we did a podcast on him about his book. OG told me his experience. He said he enjoyed it as well, and uh, and he said the same thing that he liked the diversity as well as the basically like showing that you know as black people we have a vast diaspora of of expressions and experiences that we all can share that you know, adds to adds to our culture and adds to, you know, the story that we can tell based on the stories that we hear from others. Do you think that adds to right. your, your music and um, the difference in perspectives that you can tell based on those experiences that you had, like at HBCUs and uh, being a therapeutic behavioral specialist, like those things? I, I definitely think it does because uh, especially like going to Howard, like I, I got a, tons of stories that, you know, me personally that I know about, you know, and other people just, just being there and mm-hmm. it allowed me to, tap in to, you know, those different type of people and, and actually also being able to see those people's minds and see how people's mindsets are from different places and mm-hmm. how people may think about certain things. And that was also real cool to see because, you know, somebody who may live in Philly may think a little bit different than somebody who live in Berkeley. And it's just, you know, bridging that gap and just kind of meeting everybody in the middle was a, was a cool process, especially going to Howard. After college, when you went to Howard and then coming back, what about uh, what makes you so connected to the community, uh, specifically Oakland? Man, because honestly, man, leaving leaving college and then coming back, it actually made me want to give back more home. You know, it made me want to do more for my community and my people because, I mean, I'm I'm still an open kid myself. You feel me? Like, I, I grew up there, you know, born and raised, and uh, just seeing different people that I used to grow up with even kind of like maybe like tail off and may, you know, act differently or I could see like drugs may have got to them or I could see that their life is kind of beating them down. It just made me come back with like, all right, I got a motive to really kind of give back to everybody because I, I was able to have this experience and, you know, and Lord willing, I was granted this type of capability and ability to go places and actually see different things. So I, I need to come back home and actually give back in that same way, too. I noticed like if just looking at your 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 biography and, and your journey, it seems like you're always community centered. Just like the fact that therapeutics, behavioral specialists, like, like from, it just seemed like you were always community centered. What do you think about like the way you were raised and just, just your upbringing that gave you that strong sense of community and, and wanting to give back? Because some people, I mean, it, it people really some people discover it and it just feels like you, like it was like in you. So, and do you find that the case? And I appreciate you acknowledging that. Uh, to be real, it, it really all started with the face of, of my father. You know, my father uh, just growing up, he, he never just wanted to just give back to me and just put all the knowledge on, on myself. Like, he actually wanted to do things for the community. He even was a, a small-time mortgage broker, but he mainly handled with, like, you know, lower-class deals and people that would really, like, kind of, like, even look like us and other minorities. And I just remember him always wanting to help better somebody else as well as, you know, help himself in, in the process. And seeing that at a young age, man, that got me kind of inspired. Like, I remember kids coming over to our house and you know we had to work out for football they would like work out his team like mm-hmm. members work out with him and it was just kind of cool seeing him just like man like this is my father but really like your father figure to other people and for me that all kind of led into me wanting to still help out 
the youth, you know, attacking the youth first. And then kind of just, in a way, I would sometimes provide family therapy with the job I had, but really mainly kind of attack those youth and kind of branch out the community like that because it really starts with there. To me, that also speaks to your character, though, as well, because there's, you know, some kids in those same, that same situation will feel like, you know, I wish my dad was giving me more attention because, you know, he has to then, you know, shed that or share that attention with all those people as well. Um, so just the fact that you you saw it as a as a, a positive instead of a negative. Like I said, I think it speaks to your character as well. Man, I appreciate that. I mean, the good thing is I always knew my, my pops loved me. You know, he mm-hmm. passed away, so rest in peace to pops. But, I mean, I, I knew he loved me, so that, mm-hmm. that was never an issue for me. You know, it was all about seeing how we could better each other. Seeing that part spoke way more volumes to me than him spending all his time on me. Oh, yeah, wow. I probably would have got annoyed if he spent all his time <laughs> on me. What do you think about, what, what do you think fostered your musical, your your musical gift? Like, what was the thing that pushed you in the musical direction? You know, it, it's kind of crazy. I, I just remember being younger, listening to... At a KBLX, you know, like every Sunday. And I remember, like, my pops always had, like, the radio on driving me to school. And I was always the one that, like, I was always trying to, like, on the track, like, memorize a song or, like, you know, memorize a lyric just so I could say it back to myself or just kind of just almost, it almost became kind of like mantras. Songs became kind of like mantras to me. Mm-hmm. I would really kind of sing them to be my own kind of therapy. And uh, that initially kind of got me into, like, all right, well, let me tuck away and write something here and let me go write something here. And when I got to high school, I, I met some homies who were really rapping. And, you know, some of, like, their older brothers were rapping. And hearing everybody, I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's a tight. But in my part of me, I'm like, I could do this, too. So mm-hmm. then that's when I just kind of started getting into music. And when did you, for you, when did you feel like that you were actually getting good at it? No, I, I felt like uh, I actually was getting good at music right around when I started becoming, like, the age of, like, 21, 22 was when I felt like I really started finding my stride with it. Like, I, I played around with rapping when I was, like, 18, you know, it was kind of like a hobby and wrote some stuff. But the first time I dropped the tape uh, was when I was 22, and it wasn't my best stuff. But then at the same time, I felt the hunger in myself then. Like, I felt like, all right, I got a passion in this. And then from there, that's when I'm like, okay, let me get good. And when I got around like 23, 24, I'm just like, okay, I'm getting polished now. And that's when I really started feeling like, okay, let's, let's push it hard, buddy. I know that uh, you, you often get comparisons to Kendrick Lamar based on your cadence and your sound. What is that? What is, <laughs> yeah. what is that? How does that, how do you take that? Uh, you know, and to be real, now I'll give you this one. Uh, the first time I heard Kendrick was in 2010. I remember <laughs> I was in my dorm room and I was like writing a rap. And I remember I stopped listening to like a song I heard and it was one of his. And to be honest, when I heard Kendrick at that point in time, I remember, I remember telling myself, I'm like, no lie, he's going to open up the door for artists like me. In mm. the sense of I could talk about life and about what's really going on, but make it sound tight, make it sound clean, make it sound listenable. It doesn't have to be overly conscious to the point where you're just like, ah, press next. Like, he's doing it in a way that I'm like, I see the message. And when I saw that, I'll be honest, like, Kendrick was definitely a big inspiration. And, you know, the kind of artists I listen to, it's kind of like Jay-Z, Eminem, Biggie, Tupac, like, Outkast, like a ton of people who created the foundation. Mm-hmm. But when I heard that, it kind of, you know, it was a style that kind of gave me, like, a template in the sense of kind of first work on. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, find my own self as an artist to really go out of that and get my own voice. So, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's all love. And shout out to Kendrick on that one. You even addressed it on um on uh, Good Shit on, on, on that mixtape. Oh, that project. Yeah, because yeah, I, cause I, I've definitely gotten it, you know, as soon as I really, really dived into rap, I've definitely gotten that comparison a lot. And, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, very appreciative, and that's, that's a great artist. But I think, you know, that's just me kind of acknowledging as well, though, like, even though you might hear this 
trust me, I'm still finding myself and I'm still branching away from what you think I am. Like, I'm not going to be putting any box. Like, I'm my own artist. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of wanted people to, I just wanted to make sure people felt that as well. Yeah, you're definitely, I, I, like I said, I can hear uh, similar tones and, and um, I say, I guess, cadences uh, to Kendrick, but you're definitely your own, your own artist, your own musician. Um, right. You have your own flair. You have your own style to it as well. And I felt that for me, because that was highlighted on uh, Good Shit. And then um, I feel like uh, on Rec Center 2, I can see like the, the growth that came from Good Shit to uh, Rec Center 2. Because um, th- that's the only two projects that I have as references um, into your music. But both of them, are re- I think, are really good. And I'm excited to hear that. more. Oh, yeah. I definitely got some, uh, got some other things I'm working on. I got a project that hopefully should be dropping around March that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely getting all this stuff for and making sure all the sounds are coming out how I want them to. But, yeah, man, like, I, I definitely been working, like, especially from, from Good Shit to Good Shit Volume 2 to Rec Center 2. Like, definitely spent a lot of time just kind of sharpening my sword, I like to say. Just, you know, keep on writing, keep on making sure that I'm, I'm trying out new things to the point that, like, you can hear the confidence now of me being me. And mm. that was the biggest thing I wanted to give off on this record, for sure. Let's go into kind of your creative process. What are some of the things that you feel like you need when you're making a project? Because, you know, everybody has their needs, everybody has their wants, and to, to feel creative. And some people, it's spontaneous, and some people, they have a set, not necessarily formula of, of how they get in their creative zone. What's your path? Man, for me, it's, um, I'm, I'm a real simple person. I, actually, all I really need is a, is a little bit of space and honestly, you know, just <laughs> some water, because I know when I'm rapping stuff to myself, I may, you know, start getting cotton mouth or stuff may start sticking, you know, when you just overly talk. And the biggest thing I need really is just that, that little bit of space where I feel like I'm just kind of isolated for a second, and then all, a bunch of thoughts really just start hitting me. Also, it sounds funny, like I make a, I make a lot of music and a lot of stuff to myself while, while driving in the car, being mm. in cars, something about being in movement and looking at life as it's passing me by helps me out right stuff too oh wow yeah see for me driving in the car does help for just like thinking it's for me is shower like for some reason when i'm in the shower that's when i'll get an idea will pop in my head for you know something for the podcast <laughs> or for my website and i go oh i gotta go write that down when i get out the shower <laughs> like that's that's just worse but i guess know, it's quiet i guess you know, it's quiet, and you know, a shower is a good place to go ahead and flex your vocals too. If you feel like singing, so you know, that's what works out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nobody wants to hear these vocals. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, as somebody, to me, you come off as an intellectual, somebody that's a woke person, like I said, because you care about your community and you want to help them do better as you do better. How do you balance that versus, at the same time, music is entertainment, and people want a vibe, they want a feeling. How do you balance out those two? Because I think. Nowadays, as you said, with Kendrick and other artists, that's becoming more acceptable to have that balance. And some people, I feel, are still trying to find that balance. Um, but I feel like you found that balance, especially on Rec Center 2, because um, you have those deeper cuts where you're diving into more uh, heavier issues. But at the same time, you still it, you, it doesn't feel heavy, even though the content is heavy. And I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. For me, the, the balance really is a... I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still human, you know. I, I still go through the same things other people have gone through. You know, I've, I've been at a party, I've been drunk before, you know, I've been high before, you know, I, I've got a loss before. So I, I, I never want to come off like, like, oh, I'm, I'm way above this and way above that. It's all about relatability. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people want to listen to you when they feel like they can relate to you. They feel like, hey, if I meet you, I can go ahead and shake your hand right here and feel like I actually got to know you a little bit. And that was the biggest thing I always wanted to make sure I give off in my music because you know i know some people 
may come at it at a, at a standard like, oh, well, well, you know, do you have to cuss in this record? Do you have to cuss in that? Or do you even have to say this or say that? It's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm being myself. I'm being human. I'm being how we all naturally are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the best way to be so people can actually dive into the real point that you're trying to get across. You know, if, I, if I'm if i rapping and I'm sounding like the straight up type professor all day, you know, people are going to get tired. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be like, ah, let, let me turn it. But, you know, if I let people see me and see who I am and it's like, oh, snap, like, all right, he gets that. It's the same way I get that. Well, let, let me listen a little bit more. That was the biggest thing I wanted to make sure I gave off as an artist. What about uh, collaborating versus being, like, in seclusion? Are you more of somebody that likes to have... Because you did say space and as part of your creative process. With that, in that space, is it other people, other collaborators, or is it you kind of like to, you know, go in your own zone and, and let your creative juices come that way? You know, my man, it, it really all depends. You know, I, I've had days where, like, you know, I, that same space will be shared with other mm-hmm. artists and, you know, we're really tapping in. And, you know, some days I'm really kind of solo dolo, and then, you know, I may actually have to send the verse to somebody or, you know, wait till somebody sends me something. But for me, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm all down to collab. I know people may not see a ton of collabs for me, but I've, I've actually mm. collabed with, you know, a, a lot of artists, even like back home. It's about, you know, timing is a big thing, and, mm. you know, everybody's schedule is just another thing. So, you know, just making sure it's the right time to drop something when you can. But me, like, to be honest, I, I love collaborating because I love actually even showing the people that, like, no, I love to make music. So we can be versatile in all different type of forms, not just be kind of put in this one type of, you know, lane and actually have to press it like that like you know i love making music what about your music makes you differ from other artists i think what actually makes me unique maybe something that you spoke on earlier is the fact that like i i do want to take on mental health head on without feeling too weary about it or mm-hmm. feeling like i gotta hide too much from the next person like especially on my upcoming project like i, I want people to really see me and hear the stories and be like oh man like i would have never known kale felt like that you know and, and the thing is you know you you may not see that on my face, but that was the whole point. That's mm. the reason why I feel like therapy is needed. Like, you can't exactly just see that on everybody's face. You know, some people may show it, other people may keep it kind of hidden. And I think what makes me unique, honestly, is just when people see the versatility I have in the sense of, like, oh, wow, like, you can make different type of sounds and different type of type of music that we can't relate to and does not have to just be put in this box or that box. Mm. Like, I want people to understand that, like, even as an artist that I'm more than just a rapper, I'm a complete artist. And I think that's one thing that sets me definitely apart from even like other rappers. I want to transition a little bit into uh, Rec Center 2. How did, how did, how did, first, how did that come about? And how did you and White, uh, White Dave come together for that, for that project? So it's even crazy when you look at me and White Dave's origin, because I've known Burr about, I want to say, six years almost now. <laughs> and, and the way we first linked up, like on a project, we were always making music, but we linked up to a mutual friend. And then, when they heard uh, me and White Dave actually make some songs together, this actual uh, clothing line, this clothing brand, uh, came up to us. And the clothing brand, after they came up to us, they're like, well, we want you to make a tape for the clothing brand. That was Rick Center 1. And we mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, this, this, this sounds tight. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that White Dave even wanted from me, because he had heard different type of music and different type of sounds I was recording on, he wanted me to even kind of branch out my box a little bit and try to get on some of the stuff that he liked. And it wound up being stuff that I love too, which was a cool thing for us. So it got to show versatility on both of our ends. And then from there, you know, we have both been working on our own careers and both been working on things. But we stopped one day. We were like, hey, bro, like, you know, Rex Center 1 wasn't that bad. Like, how about we do it too? Kind of just show people that, like, where we've even grown even more as artists. And at that point, it was just like, it's a done deal. So we just locked in 
you know, for a couple months already, it's kind of like made made you know made a bunch of tracks, but we kind of wanted the, the the tracks to really be that people could take away with, and you know, not not feel like an overload or not feel like too less of anything. We wanted to kind of hit it right in the middle, and that's what we felt like we did with the five songs that we dropped for Rex Center too. For for me, what I can say is uh, some of the things that you touched on is I definitely listening to Rex Center too, and again, not not being too familiar with both both of you artists, uh, I was like, wow, they have a lot of versatility just based on the sounds and the sonic properties that I saw in the, that I heard in the production versus uh how it how it uh, changed between your cadences and your flows um I just saw a lot of diversity and and uh, versatility um that I thought was really impressive yeah man me me and white Dave, we definitely piggyback off of each other you know he may have one flow and I hear that flow I'm like all right, let me try this or he may have this type of sound I'm like all right, let me try this we definitely kind of bounce off of each other real well on that right I want to talk a little bit about the production on on that particular project. All of the five tracks were produced by Boom. What about yes, what, what what about his beats? Uh, just fit this project one, and what about his production? Uh, just is is suited to you in general. I mean, no, no lie, we uh, I've been working now with Boom for like a few years now, and, and Boom honestly he's just he's just an incredible producer. Uh, you know, he's he's part of a of a click I'm with a creative brand called uh you know ODS. You know, we're just trying to you know build and kind of get out there more too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but Boom Sound is like for me, I felt like he was a unique producer, as well as provided you with with something that you could be like, oh snap, like I could I could listen to this on the weekend going out, or I could I could buy to this. Yeah, that's and that's... that was that was a, that was a beautiful thing with Boom. Like I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, let's let's make sure that we get Boom on this next project and make sure it's all showcasing Boom so people can still see everything that Boom has because Boom has a ton of sounds. Again, the same thing that I said about the two of you. Uh... As as the rappers on the project, and then from the production, it all it had a lot of versatility, but it was still cohesive. Right. The jazz sample, uh, the jazz um, sounds that were incorporated into it, I think were 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 perfect. Um, it had uh, like trust. It had that introspective feel to to, right. to kind of bring you in. And then um, it was juxtaposed to me uh, take that with a Berg, and then you have a more Cali sound with kind of a, a South bounce with a with a with the Cali bounce and a mixture of South sounds to me as well in that, which is vastly different than uh-huh. the, the first one trust, but it still felt like both those songs feel like they should be on the project together and that they were, that's just the impression that I got from it. That's, that's actually tight. You said that cause, uh, white Dave spent a little bit of time in, in Atlanta for a minute. So when mm-hmm. he came back, that actually, that's actually cool that you noticed that because I think he found like a little bit of a wave and something he wanted to try out. And I was just like, all right, come on, let's get it. So I'm just tight that you even broke that down like that. Yeah, well, I went to Morehouse in Atlanta, so that that those those southern ah, so you know, yeah, you know. those southern sounds, <laughs> there's there's a, a little uh, openness to it that they that they have, and I, I've definitely felt that on that on Berg. Do you let the production steer the story, or do you let your story pro, uh, or direct the production? Um, you know, I think it's it's a little give and take of both. I know with me personally as an artist, uh, I guess this also taps into my creative process when I when I hear a certain beat. Some people may see colors or some people may hear certain type of sounds or vibes. I see pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with each so each time I, I, I felt a beat or, or saw something, like, I kind of had a picture in my mind. Or, you know, or you know, White David actually have even kind of outlined the way he kind of wanted to work on for a song. And I'm like, okay, let's attack it like that. But uh, a lot of the times, though, I usually kind of, like, take in the beat, let the beat kind of let me feel it, and then from there, it's kind of like a cohesiveness. Like I let the beat play its one part, but then I, I take it on my end too. Never do I want to just have the beat just kind of direct me all together because I'm never just trying to, I guess in a sense, 
you know, not be creative or take the easy route out. I kind of like kind of, you know, coming up with different ideas, different concepts in the same breath. You can hear that in project um, because for me, that's what adds to uh that's what that that's what helps the project so much is because I like the slower BPMs of the production, but then the energy that you and my Dave give on the the lyrical side and the content side, and then when you add into the content, all that gives so many different layers and so many different textures. It makes it so much more right. interesting to me. And I appreciate that X because that particular song, uh, I felt like it felt like uh, from lyricism as well as the production was so complex. And you didn't allow the complexity of the production to overpower you. What was right. that? What was the thinking behind that particular track? And especially, and what did you hear when you first heard that production? What was the pictures you were seeing when you when you saw that production, or when you heard that production? Right you know, it's, that, that's uh, it's interesting you said that because to be real, so right around that time period, I actually was listening to Little Wayne the Carter a lot. That's mm. why I even like opened up even opened up that verse how I opened it. But when I when I heard the beat. I just knew, I'm like, man, this beat is so cold, but I'm like, all right, but we got to, I just told Noah, too, I was like, man, we got to slide on this kind of kind of player, like the way this beat, the beat is coming. And he told me, he was like, no, no doubt, I feel you. And after I heard his verse, like, I, I felt his vibe, because, you know, he kind of came with the hook in his first verse. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I, I like that. And then after I heard that, I just told myself, I'm like, all right, how can I still spit what I want to say? slide on it and you know drop a gem or two here and i'm just kind of like all right i got it so that's why i actually started thinking about the carter just started thinking about lil wayne and honestly i just kind of came at it like like in that type of standpoint where lil wayne is getting on every type of beat not tripping i took that same mindset i'm like man give me any d right now let's, let's just slide on it i mean i really like that i like the production and i like the way that you 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 uh float over it i thought it was it was really it was really spot on and again like i said uh, i can see a lot of rappers getting eaten up by just how complex and and strong that production is, so like that speaks to your ability. Man, I, I appreciate that. You know, for me, it's just all about feeling the music, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you feel it, you can make it. You can make music go wherever you need to go once you feel it. <laughs> now that's true. So, and and it helps people resonate with it. When you feel it, they can feel it too. Right. And I think that in in a lot of cases, that's kind of what tends to get missed is people can feel people. Even though the way the music is based and that a lot of artists nowadays that don't necessarily feel it are getting to positions of uh, affluence, but the ones that last are the ones that make people feel it. Exactly. And make it last. Exactly. Because then you get experiences and no amount of money can can, can pay for an experience that you can never get again. So. um, Man, that's a real one right there. Yeah, for real. I wanted to also talk to you about God. To me, it has like a 90s R&B feel mixed with like R and bass because of how heavy the bass is in there um, with a strong like hip hop influence. What was your, your idea behind that one? So no lie, God, uh, I actually like God for one reason is that when we recorded it, it sounded completely different in a sense. Like uh, <laughs> before, like the singer wasn't on it when I first laid my verse on it mm-hmm. and it was this white Dave who kind of presented the idea to me. So when I first heard it, you know, the beat actually kind of just sounded kind of like, you know, a darker tone, but mm-hmm. in the sense of like when, when he told me, you know, we call it God and stuff about in my mind when I start writing my verse about, you know, different situations that may actually lead you to run it into God yeah. and then how do you find God on your own? Like mm-hmm. what is God to you? So that's why when we laid it down, I had that type of, you know, feel for it and then next thing I know, like he added our other homie named Philip Banks on it with this group called Trey Coastal. So then Philip got up on it. I'm like, okay, I like the sound. And then the last part added was the singing, and I'm like, whoa, that just brought everything to life. Like, it gave it a whole different type of feel when I heard it, like a different feel than when we first recorded it. So that's why actually, guys, is one of my favorites on the project. 
Because again, I never heard that, you know, the pre-production, but I can, my guess would be uh, adding those vocals. I'm trying to imagine how it would sound without the the vocals on top. I can I can feel what you're saying, because I think that adds to that R&B feel that I'm talking about, that 90s R&B feel is, is definitely those vocals. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, the singer was actually um, White Dave's cousin, because oh, his name's Dre. Uh, you know, honestly, we all wish Dre more, made more music, but no lie, whenever he's able to give us a gym like that or come lay stuff down, we, man, we're we always willing. So it was just kind of hearing him hear the song and hear how like what he heard and where he took it and then just kind of like ran with it. And then just on the singing-wise, I'm like, yeah, he just he brought out that feel of making you really want to listen to it over again mm-hmm. and really take in the song more than just kind of like hearing our verses the way I felt on that track. The replayability on this whole project is high. Because like I said, it's, man, it that. has content, but it's not so heavy that it's like, man... It's like certain certain albums. They can be great. They can be great albums. It's just like movies. Like Roots, a great movie, but you can't watch that every day. You can't. You know what I'm saying? You can't. You cannot watch that right. every day. Like you, you just gotta. Right. So like Rose was a great movie too, but you cannot watch that every day. <laughs> so it just. That's real. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't take away from how good of a movie they are. But so, but I feel like this is accessible. It does have that content that you need to stimulate your mind, but it also has a groove and the vibe to to continue and and give that replayability that i was talking about um, and i'm glad you said that because that was even kind of more of our concept with rec center because the uh, rec center where we kind of came with the idea was just think about if you were back you know young back in the day and you came you know or you went to the y or mm-hmm. went to some type of you know child after school program, yeah like, with all your homies yeah you know and then after a while like you know y'all would do different things every day like of course you may have like a set schedule but you never know what you're gonna get at the rec center and that's what that's what we kind of wanted to give with this tape like you know we're going to give you a little bit of mixture of, of everything just so that you can get the full vibe of the rec center. I want to touch a little bit. We, we kind of touched on the lyrics as well, but I want to touch a little bit on like your process of, of storytelling, because that's, that's what always drew me into hip hop from the first time I, I, I started, you know, loving hip hop when I was listening to uh, Rakim and Nas was their ability to still tell stories in a relatable way over dope production. Right. Like that to me, that's like that, if you want to make my, if you want to get on my list, that's how you get there. That's that's the secret. <laughs> like, you have to have those qualities. So I really enjoyed and and appreciate the storytelling ability. And the thing that I find interesting about the storytelling ability because everybody can tell a story. The right. the good and the great ones find interesting ways to tell that story. And it's a lot of that is about the pers- perspective that you take on which to tell the story. How do you choose right. your perspective for particular track? just in general like how do you determine what perspective you want to come from yours the other person that it might be affecting um or it's more of a feel i mean i'm sure it it changes based on different things but what kind of like leads you into the direction of picking that perspective right and you you know you definitely did it you definitely hit it on the head like you know definitely different things but uh for me i know like a good bulk of the storytelling i do is really coming from my perspective mm-hmm. and, and things I've I've mainly dealt with, you know, and there there are times where I definitely I definitely you know tap into the perspective of somebody else or whether I'm like you know being a friend or like I know I did one song on a Good Shit Volume Two where actually I was actually telling the perspective as the first verse as my homie mm-hmm. who has you know had going through kind of like a custody battle with his child and then the second verse I came from my perspective, but still both verses are very close to home because you know that was. It's like a brother to me, you know, yeah. I'm with him like almost every other day. So it was just, you know, for me, the storytelling aspect is wanting people to really 
see what I see, mm-hmm. but then in the same breath, being able to take it in how they take it. And that's why whenever I create, you know, a verse or I create something that I know I'm more storytelling in the verse, I want to kind of bring people there. Like, gotcha. I want to make sure that you feel like, oh, man, like, I'm actually in this moment with them. Like, I'm in the car with Kale. Like, or I'm right or riding down the street on my bike with Kale. Or, like, I'm mm-hmm. walking with Kale. I just want to make sure that you feel that you kind of, like, right there with me so you can take it all in. How do you determine the level of detail? Is there is there a line that you that you have mentally that like, you know, um, I heard, um, I can't even think of the artist or the, the comedian at the time, but uh, he was like, there is no line. He has no line for what he can determine is funny or what he can try to make a joke out of. And the minute that he, he, he puts this limit on himself, he feels like he's limiting himself. But then you have other artists like uh, I think Kevin Hart who said, you know, I don't, I don't touch uh, kids. Um, you know, I won't, you know, I'll never talk about somebody's kids. Uh, at, for 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 a uh, a punchline or whatever. What is your line? For me, um, to be honest, everything everything seems pretty open. I mean, for the most part, you know, I'm I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. Mm. You know, I've I've had verses where you know I, I like I'll let people hear the verse first, or let people you know be like, hey, like you know, I did kind of write this with kind of you in mind. Tell me how you feel. Are you okay with it? But um, I mean, a lot of things I feel like are are open for me because I feel like you don't really want to hold back from anybody i feel like with this people need to feel the real need to see the real need to hear the real and i like to give everybody that that type of feel so that they understand that like oh it's not coming from a a, a joking place or a rinky dink place or like he's just trying to like have fun on our behalf like you know I, there's usually a message involved and, and a lesson in everything now while i'm not trying to preach on, on everything you know Still with music, you can still be a teacher and a lot of and a lot of rights. And you know, you do have to show we shit. We all do as artists have to show like our own wisdom and things we're going about. Even if your wisdom is that you're a trap rapper and you feel me, like you telling us how you was on the block. Like you know, mm-hmm. when I hear that story, I want to just make sure I'm still feeling everything I am for the story, and it's not just jumbled with everything else. You feel me? Because everybody, I feel like all artists, you know, got a sense of you know storytelling to it. But you know, I just try to do it differently so that, you know, we all can feel the relatability factor. So that's why I'm kind of pretty open to talking about, like, anything, really. I mean, you're, you're definitely true about that. Music can be a teacher, too. Uh, was it, I think, Jared Carmichael had the the, the line on um, his special that he did, I think, on HBO or Netflix. I, I forget. Hey, But anyways, he was basically saying, you know, he's like, Hove taught me more than Martin Luther King. Again, I'm hoping that's a joke, but <laughs> but there are kids out there, you know, there are kids out there that, you know, music teaches them a lot more uh, life values and they because of situations that they're in than than, uh, you know, teachers or classrooms. And because right. of that relatability that that they break down a story in a way that they can relate to and they can understand and then therefore they can then learn from those messages. And I think that is important, especially for the youth. It, it, it definitely is. Like, and, and I'll be real, I'll give you this quick like little backstory, which kind of like taught me that I feel like honesty is really like the best key. I, I remember one time, like I was younger, must have been like 18, 19, I was with some friends. And I remember we was like smoking weed, and I remember like it was like a checkpoint, and the cops saw us. And when the cops saw us, you know, he was just kind of like, all right, we'll pull over. And then like they looked at us and they asked, like, all right, so be real, like, is there anything else? Is there more? And at that moment, like, it was something hit me. I'm like, man, I, I could lie about this. And I'm like, but. All my other homies look gone, and I look like the most sober ones. So let me just be honest, and I just said the honest thing. And like, all right, y'all good. Just make sure y'all get home quick. And at that point, it hit me. I'm just kind of like, man, like, being honest kind of would take you a lot farther than trying to 
be fugazi or trying to like you know just sell a dream. So that's why even when I'm telling my stories, like there's gonna be some honesty in it because I don't want to just sell you a dream. I want to give you what's what's the real deal. Oh, that's that's real. My experience is the same. Honesty is the best policy because uh, you know the ugly truth is better better than a pretty lie. So I think that saying stands true. I wanted to talk to you about uh, little uh, little black, and to me. Uh, that particular track when it comes to the lyrics and just the creativity of the lyrics, I felt that was at, at an all-time high for the whole project. Uh, just the direction. Right. Uh, it just felt very artistic in its approach and creative, like I said. Um, and it was still very lyrically dense. That was just one of, that's, I think that might have been, that is probably one of my favorite tracks. And then God is my second favorite track. And then Trust is the third. But... <laughs> But yeah, what, what was what was uh, what was the creative what was the idea or the creative idea behind Little Black? Because it it de- and, uh, it seems very different than the rest of them. But again, like I said, it still fits the project. Right, right. And uh, for me, with that one, that one was, you know, I, I remember it too because White Dave said, you know, he had he, he I heard his verse first. Mm-hmm. I just saw where he was coming. You know how he came at it, and I told him, and it just hit me. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm gonna do the perspective of Little Black. Like you say that, but I'll be Little Black. And he was like, oh snap. He's like, all right. And for me, what that was, just kind of like, you know, I tap in to a lot, just kind of like my own self or just things that like I I know have gone down with children I've worked with in different type of situations. I know homies I've dealt with and mm-hmm. just some things that like I've seen like growing up. And that's where I was just able to kind of, in a sense, just tap in a little black, just kind of like, you know, I know a lot of Oakland kids that got, you know, little black story. You know, a lot of Bay Area kids that, you know, got little black type of story. And I just felt like, you know, I wanted to make sure I presented it the right way and got it out so people can understand the feel. Because, you know, some of the kids who I've worked with before, man, they've told me some, some crazy things. And so when I when I heard that, I'm like, I felt like I'm relating to them on this one for sure. After you brought that up, I, that made me think about it as well, is that I think that's another reason why I put it so high on the list of of of, of being my favorite, favorite track off the project was the fact that you said, like, the content in there is really heavy. If you, if you really break down the lyrics and really think about it, like, <laughs> it's really heavy, but... It's right. the, the the song is still enjoyable to listen to because of the direction and the again the artistic approach to it of of how you broke down the story. Um, so I think it made it more digestible to those because because there's there's several different type of listeners out there. It's people that really listen, people that are service listeners, and then people that just like sounds. That's real. And I That's feel real. like with this, it, it covers all the bases. If you just like sounds, it, it's appeasing to the air if you like if you're uh you're gonna go a little you're a surface listener um you know you hear some of the lines but you're not gonna dive deep and try to find out all the deeper meaning and all that you're gonna enjoy it as well because it does have content to it and then if you are those ones that are gonna do all that research and really you know dive into it you'll have plenty of things to listen to when you replay it and replay it and replay it because you're gonna catch something different so, and I appreciate appreciate the way you broke that down, bro. Because honestly, that's that's exactly what you know me and White Dave wanted from the project. You know, just just for people to really listen and then you know take in how they take it, but really you know take that chance to listen and break down everything that they see or hear. So I appreciate that for real. And I don't want people to think that's a bad thing that I'm calling people that are you know that just like sounds. No, everybody has something like that in every situation. Some people right. don't like reading books right. and they'll leave, they'll read magazines, but they won't read you know War and Peace. But that doesn't make them different. You know what I'm saying? It's just your level of uh, passion will determine how deep you go into something. Um, you know, there's, exactly. people, there's exactly. people that know the codes to video games. Uh, <laughs> and then there's some people that just, you know, I'll play a video game here and there. So it's it's different strokes for different folks. Uh, that's all. 
but like I said, right. uh, for, for that track, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And, um, I thought trust also was a good introduction into the project project, just the different components of trust too. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Man, I, I appreciate that one. Cause no lie. I, as soon as we made that one, that was the one white Dave actually told me, he was like, yeah, bro, this is, this is the leading track. Like we're going to use this one. And I was like, for real? He was like, yeah. He was like, this is the way it comes off and the way it feels. And he told me the biggest thing he told me, he was like, bro, this feels honest. He was like, that's why I like it the most. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's some real, some real stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, let's roll. And then honestly, that's kind of how like even Rex Center 2 kind of first started forming was off of trust. Once we realized we had trust as the, as the main track, and we're like, okay, well, let's place the other track. Yeah, it all I mean, like I said, this is a really good project. If you haven't heard it, definitely go listen to it and check out Rec Center 2 on SoundCloud. Uh, for, again, first, I want to say thank you for coming and I appreciate you uh, doing this interview. What's coming up next? Because, you know, everybody, we're in a culture of uh, they want they want stuff fast. <laughs> So as soon as the project done, they want the next one. So <laughs> you're not lying, bro. You're not lying. Now, first I want to say, I mean, I appreciate y'all like just like reaching out to me and you know even reaching out to you know even some of my, my loved ones. You know, I heard you did an interview with GQ yeah. and you know just seeing that White Dave is coming up next. Like it's just it's tight giving giving artists like this a platform. So we appreciate you on that, right? Uh, for me, I, I got a I got a project I'm working on. It's pretty much almost done, you know, we'll just kind of pass this stuff up. Uh, name of the project is called ART, and it's an acronym. Later on, people will figure out what the acronym all stands for. But uh, for yeah, me, don't spoil it project, yet. Don't spoil I'm, it yet. Yeah, yeah, nah, 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 I can't do that. But for me, uh, for me, the project, I just want people to really be able to, I think, even finally get to see even more of me as an artist, you know, and just more of kind of what I've been going through and kind of take, some of my stories and use them as their own therapy. I feel mm-hmm. like in a lot of my projects, you know, I, I, I tapped into myself definitely, but I feel like this one is probably the most personal with the most, uh, you know, me showing everybody that sometimes you got to figure out your own self therapy and, you know, therapeutic yourself mm-hmm. before, you know, you know, you can actually even help anybody else. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's true. If, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So it, exactly. Self therapy is key. Self therapy yeah. is key first. When did you first come up with this idea for this project? Um, you know, when I first came up with it in uh, the project, had, you know, a couple of different titles. But when I when I first came up with it, which was kind of, you know, about like once six, seven months ago, I just realized that I was going through things myself that I, I kind of wanted to get out. I mm. felt like getting it out would, would help me feel kind of, you know, better. But then it, it kind of led into me when I... When I felt that I was giving my own self out and giving my, you know, some of my own true stories and stuff that's really going on, I just noticed, you know, other people I let hear some records, they were really like taking it in. It's like, like, wow, they could really like feel it more than ever and just be like, man, you really kind of on a mission with this one. So that's why, you know, I kept on pushing with this, with this type of idea and concept for the project and just wanted to make sure that, you know, people just got even a, a bigger sense of me as an artist and just who I am as a person. Okay. So it's going to be a yeah, very personal, sounds like. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel that now that the the project is almost almost finished, do you feel some sense of relief or uh, satisfaction that you know you got some of that off of your chest, or you um, been able to release that in a way? Yeah, actually, you know, it, it, after making this project, it felt it actually had me kind of like on, on a high as an artist. After I kind of got this out, I'm like, man, this this feels good. Let me work even even harder to the point that like I. I think I'm already kind of prepping up for the you know, next couple of projects after that, just kind of being in the booth a lot, writing a lot, just kind of being more creative. And I feel like this was the project that kind of 
in a sense, this was like me getting the monkey off my back a little bit. It's kind of like, all right, let me get this off real quick, and then let's keep it pushing. At the end of the day, just the fact that you got that is 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 amazing in itself. Because you know, some people search all their life and they still don't still don't get that. I'm I'm really excited to to hear what this what that project is going to sound like. Definitely, uh, you know, let us know, and uh, maybe we can get you on an, again before you uh, release it and uh, do like an intro to the release of it or something like that. We can set it up, bro. We can set it up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Let, let's get that together, and then um, uh, we are going to have White Dave on as well. Um, and I want to say. Based on this project, y'all should still y'all should work together some more. Uh, uh, give us another, give us give us more, at least one more project. Uh, maybe a Rex Center three, make it a trilogy. Because uh, again, I think that's a really dope project. Um, like I said, if you if you don't know and you're not following him now, follow him now as last name Kells, and that's last name K E L L S on IG. Same on Twitter, and and then uh, go on SoundCloud and. Uh, download listen play uh rec center too and like i said he says he has art art coming out in march so we'll definitely keep a lookout for that and uh you know stay tuned and listen because uh we might have another uh episode coming shortly uh or right before that comes out as well so i want to say thank you again and is there anything else you wanted to shout out before we get out of here man i want to say thank you for for this opportunity man for real for real uh, i definitely want to make sure i, I shout out the, the older homie named GQ, because you know I know he put me on you guys too as well. So definitely shout out to Big Bro. Uh, shout out to White Dave and everything that he's got building on. You know, shout out to everybody back home, Bay Area, especially Oakland town business. You already know. And uh, man, I just appreciate everybody being along for this ride for real, for real. Uh, no problem, man. And like I said, go check out his music. And thank you for listening to another Stable Podcast. This is D Ray Brinson, and of course, you know the Stable Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. And you know our motto: live. Listen to some great music, and above all, love more. We out. We out. Much love.